Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Across multiple time zones once again. Of course, the AWD classic. I actually love being in different time zones because it um, means we're all like perky and excited to see each other, but it also does mean that usually just one of us is getting lit while the other is sober. And that happens to be me today. It brings an element of surprise constantly. I didn't know where in the world you were. I'd lost track of your itinerary as usual. Oh, this margarita mix is crazy. Do you like margarita mix? Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what happened? Do you like margarita mix? <laughs> um, well, I hadn't really actually tried it before, but apart from in all of the cheap bars we go to where they say they're making margarita, but they're really giving us this. But I just found it in my friends. I just moved from this lovely hotel that I was staying at for two nights and God, it was so expensive, Grace. I was literally ate some salad leaves and a shrimp today and it was 50 US dollars. Hotels are actually despicable. I meant to tell you when I was in Monaco for my work trip, I ordered a um, similar, I ordered a Caesar salad up to the room and it was being expensed to work and it was, um, 63 euros. Yeah. It's so crazy. <laughs> it's like 120 times. I was like, I get all upset about it. Cause I was saying to my friend, I was like, it's not like I don't have the money, but it's like, feels like you're just burning money in, in your face. Like it just is such yeah, a waste. Just not how you'd ever choose to spend it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so this morning I was like, okay, you could just get up and walk down the road and go and get a coffee somewhere else. And then I was like, it's not worth it. And just, I was like, fuck it. I just want to relax at I'll this nice hotel. Who cares? But I just moved into my friend's house and this is where I found the margarita mix in her fridge. And I thought I'm going to help myself to the margarita mix and the tequila on the shelf. I went to a wedding on the weekend. 
Congrats to Jen and Sean. Congrats, Hans. And everyone was talking about Margarita Mix, and I feel really bad because I can't remember, but my friend's brother owns like a Margarita Mix empire in Australia, and I can't remember what the brand is called. But I'll find it and tell everyone <laughs> to buy it. Yes, when we spruked. She like tricked everyone. She was like, do you like it? And everyone was like, yeah. And she was like, it's my brother's That's illegal. Brand. Tricky. Tricky. So Albo, sexy. So he's not really sexy. We're overdoing it. We're overdoing it because we hate ScoMo so much. I'm as guilty of this as anyone else. He's just a man who is now the prime minister. But he's also an inner Westie, working class, labor union, used to be hot and have an earring, short king. And we're thrilled for him. A su- it wasn't really a surprise that he won, but he did very well very early. Yeah. Very happy. It was nice to wake up to. We had an AWD listener um, DMing us saying she was working at the polls and they were really scared that Scott Morrison was going to get back in. And then I went to sleep. And then I woke up to your chaotic texts and you managing to hack into our account and post your insane thirst traps. Proud of myself. Proud of you. I know. But Scott Morrison, I got this like chaotic phone note. I was out for drinks and someone got this chaotic phone notification, which I feel bad laughing at, but it was so funny. And it was like, Scott Morrison breaks down in tears at Hillsong mega church rally about not being prime minister anymore. Oh my God. Like you're so, he's so crazy. Yeah. So if anyone do that. isn't aware of what we're talking about, cause we do have some listeners in the U S and UK that might not understand, um, for the first time in 10 years, Australia has a Labour government and the Conservative government and the Prime Minister who is a Pentecostal, is that it? I always forget what Christian he is. Mm. Pentecostal Christian is now out. So it's all exciting. And this elbow guy, spelt with an A, not an E, he, (laughs) yeah, was like raised by a single mom. Yeah, was an inner Westie, which is this kind of really cool kind of culturally part of Sydney. And it's just very exciting. Because, don't know, I can't believe that, that that you guys were conservative for so long. Little Labour government and NZ, Jacinda will be pleased. Yes, I feel like Jacinda and Albo will get on well. He has this cute girlfriend. Oh, really? She did this really cute kind of post where she was like, we really enjoyed working with Scott Morrison's government, but I'm so stoked. <laughs> Yes, I was going to say, stop lying. Um, Okay, now we've got political chat out of the way. Let's discuss a very important interaction that you had yesterday. I'm going to keep it brief because I could go on forever. But yes, so no. So the day I checked into the hotel, I was coming down from the roof back into my room and this guy got out of the elevator and just kind of walked past me. And I was like... I know that man. I know that man so well, but I can't place him. And I went back to my room. I was like, I know he's an actor. And I went back to my room and I was like pacing. But he was like, it was that weird thing where I was like, I know him so well, but I can't place him. And like placing him felt so impossible. Like I was like, I for some reason I had Megan Markle and like Patrick J. Adams in my head, even though I knew it wasn't Patrick J. Adams. And then the more I thought about that, the mm-hmm. more his face was like fading from my memory. And I was like, no. And then and then I was like, I just and then suddenly I got this picture in my mind's eye of like his face close up. And I was like, okay, I know he's the love interest. And I know that like 
he's a love interest in whatever show it is. And then it just came to me and I go, oh my God. And I realized it was the hot priest from Fleabag, Andrew Scott. I can't believe it took you so long to figure it out. But I also can't believe of all the celebrity sightings that that's who you got. Like you always just get the best ones. He's so iconic, isn't it? And I feel like I'm kind of, I've been like, I think, I don't know, I'm maybe like regretting I didn't get a photo or something, but then I'm just like, maybe just keep it cash. Very jarre if you got a photo. I know, I was being jarre anyway. Like anyway, (laughs) it wouldn't have made any fucking difference, Grace, honestly. So then- You guys would have been best friends otherwise. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like it's like he already- is scared of me so it wouldn't have mattered but then so that was over I like kind of forgot about it I don't even think I texted you or maybe I did I think I just left that and then I thought wouldn't see him again or whatever kind of considered going back to the rooftop decided against it then yesterday had been drinking margaritas by the pool with my friend Tatiana Waterford who I have had multiple multiple dms about saying best podcasts in the world crossover and I was like, you guys, we have had Tat's wife, Chelsea Fearless, one half of every outfit on Sex in the City and one half of the Every Outfit pod on our podcast twice now. Twice. Yeah, I was going to say, we did this years ago. We're ahead of our own time. An official crossover has happened. So someone was like asking what episodes and I was like, God knows you're going to have to figure that out yourself, girly. I don't have time for this. I think it was called We Should All Be Mirandas because it was when their book came out. Oh yeah, and it was in like 2019 and then we had Tat and Chelsea on for dinner parties in 2020. Mm. But anyway, I was sitting with Tat and obviously we were getting quite drunk as we do on like a Monday afternoon and had had three margaritas and then we get up to leave and none other than hot priest was leaving the pool area at the same time i hadn't even noticed in my like drunken haze that he'd been obviously sitting there the whole time (laughs) and it's a small pool area so he's probably listening to me like a harp on about absolute garbage then yeah we go to leave and he is in front of us and i said blurted out i'm sorry but i love you oh no i don't want to be a freak but i love you and he said thanks that's cute what did he say i mean i'm saying this like i don't i got voice notes i got the story in voice notes and then i was halfway through listening to the story in voice notes when i called you and then got it again and then when i got off i listened back to the voice notes just to make sure i hadn't missed anything because i feel like i have the story comprehensive understanding but i want every little detail again yeah, so then I was like, I don't want to be a... F- oh, no, so what happened was I pointed. So, like, we were behind him, and he was walking out in front of us, and then I pointed at him to be like, to tap, that's the guy I was telling you about, and she had no idea who he was when I told her earlier. So I went to point, and I was like, that's the guy, and then he turned around to, like, hold the door open for us and saw me, saw my finger in his face, and I was like, Jare. And then I was oh like, I'm God. sorry, I don't mean to be a freak, but I love you. And then he was like, oh, thanks. And it was all a bit of a blur. But, and then I think I said something about pacing the room the day before, trying to figure out, t- trying to like place him. And I was like, I know your face so well, but I couldn't place you. And then I figured it out and screamed. And he was like, ha ha. And then we got in the elevator and I was holding. <laughs> holding him against the wall. I was literally holding a half drunk, watered down margarita in a plastic cup, had a Ferrari visor on and looked like this disheveled mess with like, <laughs> A little denim miniskirt on and um, a leopard print bikini just to like really set the scene. I was like quite drunk at this point. Gorgeous. Anyway, so then we all get into the same lift, like just the three of us. And Tat's just like silent. She's just like really embarrassed. Um, So she's standing there silent. And then I said something about London 
And then I asked where he lives in London and he like didn't want to respond, obviously, because he was like, you're a crazy fan. I want to tell you where I live. So he kind of like rattled off like a vague. He was just like the East or something. Um, He's like, oh, the city of London. (laughs) He's like London, United Kingdom, (laughs) England. (laughs) And then, yeah. And then we had to get in the lift and start riding down and it was like kind of silent. And then we got to my floor and I just go, oh, because I was like really shocked and I go, bye. And like forgot to even say goodbye to Tat who was leaving. And then the lift just opened and then shut on her and him. And they both looked so bewildered. And anyway, then she called me when she got out of the lift and was like, it was so awkward once you left me in there with him because I was like, who the fuck are you? And he was like really awkward and weird because I'd been such a freak. And he apparently he started talking to her about elevators and how they go up and down when you want them to go the other direction. She was like, yeah, I don't know. That is like bad small talk, even by. I know, but I did like. Bad small I, talk I did standards. come in quite hot. Bombard him. Yeah. So. <laughs> that would have been the perfect Dumois blind. A short king. So a hot priest at wherever you were staying. He talked about the elevator. People would love it. True. Maybe I should send that He's in. a short king. He's not as short as I thought. He's 1.73 meters, so he should be taller than you, I think. I'm, that's what I am. Or I'm one point. I'm you are. I'm okay. one seven one. I think he's five foot eight. I thought he was shorter. He he comes across quite short in real yeah. life. I had to keep telling my boyfriend that he was gay because I kept like talking about how hot he is and stuff, and then I had to keep reiterating that he like though I want to bus him, he does not want to bus me, which makes it okay. Only because he's yes. gay. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, God knows what we would have got up to in that lift. <laughs> A threesome. <laughs> Tat's like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> Why is that so funny? I don't want to be here. There's just like the, the, the rhinestones off your like Ferrari visor left over. Yeah, she's just so funny as well. She was wearing like these really baggy jeans and like a t-shirt. Just looked like extra dikey. And just like as I left them in the lift, they looked like such a funny pair because he had like these little board shorts on. I was like, bye! <laughs> ran away. Aw, <laughs> Jare. So, on to uh, I, like a slightly less jovial topic, but a very good book recommendation that we would like to spruik and discuss. So, when Izzy and I came to London, we quickly discovered polyester, which is a very, I think we've probably talked about it before, it's a very sort of cool, independent zine and their tagline is embrace your bad taste so they're extremely ahead of their time Mm -hmm. foresaw all of the trends that are current now but um the founder yoni gamble is um basically started it when she was in uni and has built it into this like amazing community of writers they've had z-way on their cover they've had Gemma collins on their cover they have this great podcast that i think we've referenced a couple of times as well and now Yoni's written a book, which is coming out the day this episode drops. It's called Poor Little Sick Girls. And it's about her experience with chronic illness and how chronic illness kind of takes over all parts of your life. And it kind of explores different facets of women's lives through the lens of chronic illness. Yeah. So Yoni is actually a fan of the pod. And now we're such a massive fan of her pod. So we had her on, Patreon listeners will already know that we had her on 
earlier this year for an interview in our Patreon episode, which we are going to release to the main feed because I feel like we should just release it now that her book is out, even though I think the audio quality mm. was terrible. Classic us. Yes. <laughs> our editor was like, girlies, please. <laughs> we were like, sorry. Please get it <laughs> she together. She was just like, can you please tell her, like, guests to do this and can you guys please do this? And we were like, okay. So yeah, Poor Little Sick Girls, as you just said, is this collection of essays that looks at contemporary feminism and social media and the internet and all other facets of kind of social politics through the lens of having a chronic illness. Um, so Ioni, I'm pretty sure she's 28. So she's like prime millennial, similar age to us who, who grew up alongside the internet. So when she was first online and when she was first diagnosed with Crohn's disease, she was on Tumblr a lot. And that's where she first found this community of like-minded people um she also which i think is really interesting and such a unique perspective she as well as us kind of grew up in this hustle mentality that girl boss culture all of those things how we were like really chasing success in our early 20s but at the same time as Ioni uh having all of these big dreams of working in magazines and having this amazing career she was diagnosed and spending like 20 hours plus a day in bed trying to go to university struggling with medication all of these all of these different things that make her view the likes of like the girl boss era and the likes of our obsession with health and wellness in this really unique way and the way she writes is so accessible and really easy to digest but at the same time super thought-provoking and very funny she's a very funny girly I've read the whole book and absolutely loved it. Um, I was lucky enough to get it before it came out because I interviewed Ioni for um, another, which will come out this week. And I posted it on our close friends, actually, and everyone said we should start an AWD book club about this book. So I was thinking we could do that. We could all kind of, it comes out on the 26th. I was thinking we could, I don't actually think it's coming out in the US yet, annoyingly for our two listeners, US-based listeners. Um, but for everyone else, it comes out on the 26th and I was thinking we could do some sort of like AWD book club thing where we all read it and then we review it and we can get people to voice note in their reviews and their favorite essays, etc. Yeah, cute. That would be so nice. I think it's... So Ioni was diagnosed with Crohn's disease when she was 19. And I think the book, at least for me this topic and thinking about it and talking about it, it just makes me think so much about how sickness in general is just like not discussed. Like people are so averse. It's like how we had that conversation after my mum was sick a couple of years ago and how people just want to be away from you because it's so scary and they want to help you as a friend, but they're also like, I don't want to think about this. I don't want to deal with this. I hate the idea of being near. Like any people just don't want to be adjacent to or near sickness. So they avoid conversations like this because they feel scary and it means that I've just never read anything like this or, or, or heard conversations like this before even though I'm aware of the fact that like a lot of people suffer these chronic illnesses you just think it's so far removed from our reality as opposed to being someone that we would like go to the pub and get a drink with and hang out with and has all the same interests as us and they're also doing the similar career trajectories but battling it yeah it's so hard to wrap your head around and also just I think it's this thing where it reminds you of your own mortality and you don't want to be reminded of that and I actually wrote a piece recently about optimism and in one of the articles I was reading for research it said that optimism bias can be really 
actually um, quite detrimental to like your health and just your overall life because essentially it means that there were, there's all, been all these studies done of people thinking that they're like the unique ones who bad things aren't going to happen to. So even though there's, you know, yes. this cancer is like X percent of the population, everyone thinks that they're going to be the lucky ones that aren't going to get it. And so I think when things like sickness are, are kind of like displayed to us, it freaks us out. Totally. It's I, I read this book by Lee Sales years ago called Any Ordinary Day and she'd interviewed a bunch of people that had had really, really fucked up things happen to them. Like they'd survived a plane crash or their partner had been killed in a shooting or something like horrific situations. And she said in that book that the biggest trauma of sickness happening or death happening or anything like that happening is that we do, I think psychologically we carry around, I think she said it's like 10 fundamental beliefs they're called about how the world works. And they basically, these like 10 core beliefs make up the structure of how we see and experience everything. And if one of them is shaken or multiple are shaken, but say one is shaken by you becoming very sick, it's not just the sickness that fucks you up. It's that your whole worldview goes for a spin and you have to recalibrate everything Mm. you think is true, which is fucked up, but (laughs) good for us all to think about. So we're not all surprised. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. One of my favorite essays in the book before we go on to the next topic is one about good and bad taste. And it was like the final essay because it kind of pulls into polyester being about embracing your own bad taste, which was a John Waters like ode. And she wrote about how something that obviously we've talked about a bit, but just haven't examined so closely, but how taste or like the concept of taste is just another way for rich to assert their dominance over working class because taste usually is something that you're born into and you get taught through your parent like as in for rich people and you get taught what is good what is good taste and what is bad and like they become super super minimal where like in kim kardashian's house you don't even have taps which is something that's most of the time um impossible to recreate for someone who's working class and so she was just saying that it like seeps its way into your mindset without you even realizing where they kind of make you feel like your taste is bad. If you like, if you have a rug, you know, the wrong rug in your house or the wrong this in your house or that. Um, And it was just really interesting. She was also talking to me about how similar to us, like when she got into the magazine industry, she thought it was a whole bunch of different creatives making this thing and coming together to make this amazing product. And then she realized that it was just the same 10 people. And actually they're just descended from kings and queens. I was like, yes. Exactly. I think, yeah, I think the taste question is really, really interesting. So another thing we had in our doc was this dazed piece called In Defense of Being Cringe. And it was kind of about this idea that people are, I think on the internet, there was this idea that certain people are tastemakers and we all follow them. And now with the proliferation of like fast fashion and then fast homewares and fast everything, it's almost as if all people's taste level is becoming somewhat accessible now. And so the backlash to that is becoming embracing cringe and not even caring about whether or not what you're doing is in good taste because it's kind of – it just shouldn't be aspirational to care anymore because it's like why would you care if it's so easy? It's like everyone can have that kind of banal house with the white walls and the fluffy rug Mm. and the fiddle leaf and the beige suit and the – gold earrings you know what I mean it's kind of like what was once considered the pinnacle of taste is now kind of accessible to people so like just embracing what is your taste without worrying about that is becoming kind of 
cool again or something. I agree. I actually thought that piece when it came out because it came out so close to um, the Cara Delevingne cringe thing. I thought it was going to be about her, but it wasn't. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, maybe they wanted to mention it but didn't. I liked how they said that (laughs) they said Julia Fox, renowned for her total unabashedness, has been hailed as an it girl. Um, Taylor Swift told graduates to embrace cringe as she accepted an honorary degree from NYU last week. And, of course, there's Kravis, arguably the horniest, soppiest, cringiest couple on earth, who died not this weekend. (laughs) It's so true. Why is horny on our dolls so so many times? This... The word horny. Yes, so many horny couples around. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay, on to a horny hot couple who managed to have a baby out of said horniness. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I made my face bleed. Sorry. (laughs) Are you apologizing to yourself? I was apologizing to you because it's foul. (laughs) You on Zoom. I just stopped touching my face. (laughs) Yeah, so ASAP, Rocky, and Rihanna have given birth to a little baby. I'm very sad that it's a boy. It's basically my only opinion about this. <laughs> I thought Rihanna would have a girl. I'm like disappointed in her. Yeah. What did we guess? We guessed a girl, yeah. right? Guess It was just too obvious it would be a girl. It just surprised us. I love this stupid people article. Rihanna is in quote awe of her baby boy with ASAP Rocky, comma, quote, barely leaves his side. <laughs> I know. And then I like, so chaotic. I know. Then I pulled out every other quote I could find. So it said, they are, they are, and then in quote, quote marks, doing great as they take on their new roles as parents, a source close to the couple tells people. Being a new parent is, of course, an adjustment, but they are doing great. Their baby boy is healthy, and Rihanna is just in awe of him. She was really so excited to be pregnant. She loved it. Meeting her son was, of course, extremely special. You? <laughs> it's you. You're the source. Ah! Meeting his son was extremely special <laughs> I gave too. Away. Rihanna barely leaves his side. She's a fantastic mum. She wanted to give birth in LA since she has a big house with a yard. Means they're round here. She enjoys mm. sitting outside with her baby. <laughs> <laughs> Who are these? So- How does this actually work? Do you think? 
someone in her team there's like a formula that they just send through because all these quotes like whenever there's a story like this in people all the quotes are similarly random i know is it so as to not give anything away about who it is yeah they're so random aren't they they're always just so bizarre and like brainless. They, they sound like an AI bot spat them out. I also wrote this down because I feel like we didn't talk about it on the pod, did we? How Rihanna said she's taking tips from the Real Housewives. I just thought you'd like that bit of information. Really? So she, I know she's a fan. She said her parenting style will be similar to that of the Real Housewife of New Jersey's. I'm getting like deja vu that we've said this on the pod. Teresa Guidance. I've never seen this before. Teresa from Jersey Shore does not play about her kids. She'll flatten you about those kids. And that resonates with me a lot because I feel like I'm the type of mum, that's the type of mum I'm going to be. Psycho. (laughs) Love. Yeah, I was going to say Teresa from Jersey Shore seems like a bizarre person for anyone to look up to. She said someone else as well, but um, that wasn't in this article, so you're going to have to... Not no. Um, I read a. Th- I saw a headline that said that they're going to move to Barbados to raise the baby. Could be fake news. Could be real news. Mm, I could see that happening. I guess feels a little slow paced for Rihanna and Rocky. They're like always out and about. They go out for dinner. Yeah, I don't believe it for a they minute. Go out for dinner every other day. Yeah, she's not going to go live the quiet life in Barbados with her little muffin boy. What do you think his name is? <laughs> Meeting her son was extremely special. You about the hot priest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on to the topic we thought everyone would be talking about, but people aren't talking about that much, which is conversations with friends. Has just come out. We've watched, I've watched seven episodes. Have you finished it? Um, I've watched the same as you, I think. It was a bit of a slog, I have to say. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I was like, why is it so long? Why 12? Was normal people 12? I think it's, isn't it 10? But yeah, too long either way. Um, no, no, I feel normal people was shorter. Same, I feel like it was six, a good, neat six. Mm, I just Googled conversations with friends and the articles are really funny. In conversations with friends, everybody's insufferable. Yeah, Refinery29, going for it. So, yeah, Conversations with Friends is Sally Rooney's first novel. Then Normal People, her second book, blew up, went crazy, had the adaption with Daisy Edgar-Jones and Paul Mescal, and it was really, really good and really, really horny. Horny again. How many times? Drink every time we say horny. This ep. <laughs> How many times can two idiots say horny in 50 minutes? (laughs) Um, And then, so, yeah. So this is the TV adaption of her first book, which I think was actually a better written book, but perhaps not better for the screen because like a lot of Sally Rooney's books, it relies a lot on kind of technology, which I really kind of hate seeing on screen. So how many times they're texting And as I just got off the, um, as I just got off watching it, then they were zooming and I was like, oh, I was like, I need to get on a zoom now. This is gross. Yeah, I I feel the same. I I, I really, really liked the book. And as I'm watching the show, I'm just like, this is so boring. The characters are so boring. Why do we care about this at all? And I just didn't feel like that at all in the book. And yet it feels like it's pretty 
faithful to the book. So I'm, I'm trying to put my finger on where that gap comes from. I think it's too long. And I think maybe the casting is like a little bit off. Yeah. They, they're kind of well cast. I don't know. I think maybe even it's just come too late. Or something. I was thinking. I was thinking mm. about it today, where I was like, obviously they they would have had normal people as something that's like that everyone who made conversations with friends has seen and is referencing, and I think that has done them no favors because I think if you're too focused, it's the same team. Oh, well, it's the same directors and the same writers, but Sally Rooney wrote co-wrote normal people and she didn't work on this at all but it's the same directors and the same producers and the same other writer right so i feel like that's where they went wrong because it feels as though it, yeah. they were trying so hard to replicate normal people but normal people worked like massively because of daisy edgar jones and paul mescal's acting and their chemistry and even just the the kind of weirdly when I read conversations with friends it felt more in-depth than normal people because there were discussions about the world and capitalism and all of these things kind of interwoven in and it felt really smart and the dialogue felt really smart and then in normal people it felt more Mm. uh simple and it was just this love story between two people but then when you watched it there was a lot about class and they both did have quite specific personality traits like you could tell why they liked each other but in conversations with friends, I'm like, both of you are so fucking boring that it feels like such a random mm. waste of time that we're watching you guys fall in love. Like your other your other halves, Jemima Kirk and um, the girl who plays Bobby, they are so much more interesting. Yes, exactly. And like the which I think works in the book because the idea is that what's her I don't even remember her fucking name Francis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I couldn't remember her name either. I wrote it down being like, what's her fucking name? So Frances is kind of still meant to be a bit in love with her ex-girlfriend, Bobby. And Bobby's this extrovert, super charming, everyone loves her kind of person. And then they meet Melissa, who is meant to be, I again, I just, I feel like there's just little things they don't get across, like, I don't feel like they get across that Melissa's meant to be super charming and super likable and they're kind of infatuated with no, her. No, neither. When they meet her. The idea is they meet her, they're obsessed with her, and that she's also extroverted, charming, super likable, and her husband is very kind of quiet, shy, and awkward. So that's why Francis and him are drawn to each other because they're both in love with chaotic people who are um, the opposite of them. But in the book, you just get, I don't know how necessarily, but you just get the nuances of like why they like or are drawn to each other. And through the whole show, I'm kind of like, why do these people like each other? They haven't had a single meaningful conversation. They don't have much chemistry. They just seem, it's not like they're, you know, the looks in normal people, like just with the looks they said so much in this, there'll they'll be a look. And I'm like, what did that look even mean? <laughs> I don't even know what I'm meant to be. I don't know if it's just so subtle that I'm missing it or if it's just so subtle that it doesn't actually exist. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because I was thinking that as well, how when they first meet and they're sitting at the table and Bobby and Jemima, I know that she has a different name in the show, but um, they go outside for a cigarette and then Francis and (laughs) Joe Elwin. (laughs) 
Nick. Taylor Swift's boyfriend. (laughs) Francis and Nick are like sitting at the table silently. And obviously there's supposed to be this tension between them or like this chemistry or whatever, but it just looks so awkward and weird. And then I was like, okay, you have to imagine. I was like trying to imagine myself being in a situation where I felt chemistry to someone and felt really awkward and you could feel it in the room. I was having to like force myself to pretend that that was what was happening i don't know i think i think what i just can't get past is how boring they both are and it makes me feel as though they're they're just as if as if it's like you're shoving a camera on like any couple that's walking down the street right now and then making a show about it that's how it feels yeah i feel like a random if you span around and pointed at a couple their origin story would be more watchable and interesting than this my interaction with the hot priest could make a better show than this but far better show but i think with joe allen i do so i felt a bit defensive of joe allen because i'd read everywhere that he was so bad in it and then when i was watching it i was like he's i think the things people are taking as bad acting are good acting he's just meant to be playing someone very awkward maybe he's taking it a bit too far but i don't actually think him or alison oliver who plays this who plays Francis, who they've unearthed from nowhere as like a newcomer. I actually don't think either of them are bad actors. I just think they don't have chemistry together. Yeah. I think I, I think so. Similar. All acting feels random because you're like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. I feel similar. I'm also sick of like these girls, which I know there's been memes about it. So I'm obviously not the first to say it, but Sally Rooney characters just look the exact same. Like Daisy Edgar Jones and that girl look so similar and that they're both just like, Wayfish, Wayfish, mousy brunettes with like perfect skin so they won't wear makeup so they look um, innocent and girly and then have shiny beautiful skin and just I don't know I'm just like shut up get a pimple. I also had a thought about that which might sound a bit cruel but I was like it's actually it's like I was saying being a pop star so jada like writing two books where like the main girl basically looks and dresses and sounds and acts like you. And then in both, she has this like boyfriend that's just, I I was just laughing because I didn't realize it, but in normal people and conversation with friends, this amazing, perfect, hot, sex god, cool guy just becomes obsessed with them and like follows them around the world and (laughs) just can't get enough of them. And it's just, it is kind of like Shara when you think about it to write I'm <laughs> like the guy in conversations with friends, he's not a dirtbag. Like it, it's meant to be that he's actually just a nice guy and his wife's a bitch who cheats on no, him. No, and he's and an he's, actor, um, right? And he's hot. Yeah, and he's an actor and he's just meant to be sweet and sensitive and lovely. There's no shades of it being creepy that he's bussing a 21-year-old of him being an awful person for doing it while his wife's in the house. It's just he's a sweet, nice guy who's confused and conflicted and I don't – like it, we know actors who pursue twenty-one-year-old girls are not nice guys. Yeah, I don't, I don't vibe with that either. The whole thing I find really gross and off. But then I was like, God, I'm such a monogamous bore. <laughs> but I was just like, I hate this. <laughs> I find it like gross. Yeah, and him just being like, I'm still in love with my wife, but I want to be in love with you too. I want to bus you too. I was like, Francis, red flags everywhere. 
But you don't even feel like it's damaging her. She's just like a blank slate. I know, but then everyone like say jokes like, about that. They're like, do you have emotions? I'm like, this is bad for a TV show. Someone with the, following someone around that has zero emotions or shows zero emotions. Because in the book, she's bad at outwardly expressing it, which is why she always fights with her friend because her friend's like, what are you thinking? What's going on? But you get the internal monologue in her head, whereas in this – you don't get it. And I do think, well, I think the actress is good. I think she maybe isn't communicating her internal feelings as strongly on her face. So you just, the stakes feels, I read a review that said like the stakes just feel so low, even when they're having the affair, you're just like, well, I don't care about Melissa because I don't know her. And I don't care about Bobby because Bobby doesn't seem to like her. And so what am I meant to feel? Like, it's dragged out for 12 episodes and you're kind of like, there's no stakes, there's nothing at risk. Yeah, and Frances just seems very – like, you don't like Frances either. I don't like her as a person. I mm. think she feels really kind of self-obsessed and annoying. Like, that's a really horrible thing to go to Croatia with his wife to boss him. I know. It's naughty. I also feel like – so Sasha Lane is the actress that plays Bobby. She's so gorgeous. And I like that they kind of cast someone who is not English or Irish to do it because she does feel very cool. But I almost feel as if she's she's like too cool for the role or something because, again, this just sounds like we're shitting on the Francis character and I feel bad. But I'm kind of watching it and I'm like, I don't really believe this chick fucked her for ages and that they're like best friends. Because I feel like this girl would be best friends with someone else. Yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? She's from New York. I'm like, why has she gone from New York to Dublin? Why is she so <laughs> awesome and dresses so well and is so confident and amazing? Like, why would this be her best friend? I just don't believe it. In yeah. the book, she wasn't meant to be this super – like, Sasha Lenz is super cool, you know, gal. <laughs> <laughs> super cool girly. I just wasn't feeling – I just wasn't feeling it as much. Oh, I feel sorry for Joe Elwin. I know. He's like the almost – I can't think of another man in history that has been the boyfriend of to this extent and just interviewers just ask him about Taylor Swift and it's all the things that we hated the media doing to women. They're all doing to Joe Elwin. I know because he is actually a good actor. Like I think he was good in The Favourite. Mm-hmm. He was great in The Favourite. He was very funny. Yeah. And he's just he's just trying to get on with his job that has to deal with being Taylor Swift's boyfie. Bless his little heart. For yeah, he was asked with... on the – I saw on Twitter he was asked, like, by a journalist at a press conference, which is so audacious, are you scared you're always going to be just Taylor Swift's boyfriend and not have a career of your own? Oh, my God. Yeah, and he just said some very nice, polite answer. Oh, my God. I would say I'd start crying. The Taylor Swift fans are so insane. They're so extreme. I guess all fans are. No, that's what we were saying the other day on the pod. I was like, I think it's specifically music. They go fucking crazy. It's an odd thing to, like, build your identity around. I'm like, I like Rihanna as much as the next girl, but... I wouldn't, like, abuse her boyfriend on Twitter. 
No, I would if he cheated on her. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there was a good piece I read that said the real affair. It was a New York Times piece, I think, and it was about the house design, interior design. And it was saying that the other affair that takes place in conversations with friends is Frances cheating on her working class roots and commitment to like socialism by coveting over Melissa's life. And that a part of maybe why she wants to bust Nick is because she secretly wants to be closer to that, which I thought was quite interesting and something I didn't really pick up on in the book. That is interesting. Actually, while we're on that topic, why is she so horrible to her alcoholic father? She literally was like, she like, I know. In the episode I just watched, so her dad is an, is an alcoholic and kind of a bit of a like dropkick or whatever, but he clearly cares about her and she like goes to visit him and then he's he wasn't home and he was down at the pub drunk and so she went and found him and walked him home and then he was just kind of like, sorry. And he pays for her tuition and stuff because he obviously loves her. And then she got back to her mum and was like, um, "Do I? why do I have to go there? And her mum was like, you're his daughter, it's important. And she was like, why? <laughs> I was like, what? You're such a little bitch. She is so, she's (laughs) seriously though, that character, like we're, she's the main character. We're supposed to feel some sort of, I don't know, affinity towards her. But instead I'm like, I don't care if you've got endometriosis. That's a bad thing to say because obviously that sucks, but she's just evil. she's evil i mean oh yeah i'm trying to remember why i didn't leave reading the book like loving her but i definitely ripped through it very quickly so i'm just trying to remember what it is about why it felt so easy to read about her life in the book and so boring to watch it on the screen i didn't i remember reading the book and not liking it not loving any of the characters like i did with normal people Mm. like as in when i read normal people i felt this it's funny because everyone says Conversations with Friends is a better book and I do understand that in terms of it being it, – it's more – the way it's written is obviously more in-depth and and um, kind of more – as in I think Conversations with Friends is a harder book to have written than normal people. It's very linear, normal people, and very simple. And Conversations with Friends has all these kind of interweaving storylines and all this dialogue and it, I think it – um she covers yeah topics like class and politics and things like that in a much kind of more convoluted way than she does in her final book at least but then with conversations with friends as I was reading it I didn't love anyone in particular and in normal people I absolutely loved I just I just loved the story I felt so excited by their romance you wanted them to be together so much and So I loved the feeling of reading that book way more. Yeah, maybe the feeling of conversations with friends was it just felt exciting to read an affair play out in real time. And I think the way that Sally Rooney writes really captures, I just feel like it really captured the feeling of being young and wanting to have this adult experience and finding it scary but kind of then enjoying it but not really knowing your power in the situation and acting like a bad person but not really knowing how to deal with it. She kind of captured all of that in this way that felt enjoyable to read. And maybe that just doesn't – maybe that's such an introspective experience that it just doesn't translate on screen, maybe. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's very hard to make, like you said, texting, 
emailing, messaging, all these ways we communicate, it's very easy to make that, not easy, but it's, you can make that feel exciting in a book and on screen it's just very, very hard because you're either stopping and reading out a whole long text on the screen or then they do the voiceovers and you're just like, uh. Yeah, I was trying to watch it on my phone today by the pool and I couldn't see a goddamn thing. I had to keep pausing and trying to zoom in on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) And then there was like some stupid text where she was like, tired, talk tomorrow, question mark. And he was like, okay. And I was like, oh, (laughs) get a life, you guys. Also, I was just like, I don't know. I was like, felt really weird how she just texted him without worrying that his wife was going to see I know, I was like, that's high-risk behavior. And also Bobby's, like, kind of – she's very hardcore. I'm just like, fuck off. (laughs) She She wants everything. She just gets annoyed and sends, like, a long text and is like, I'm really blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, oh, you're both just driving me crazy. I know. So, yeah. I mean – I feel a bit bad for Sally Rooney, the rise and the fall, because she obviously <laughs> had normal people blow up and then the show was such success and then she's released her new book and then that was such a flop. I still haven't even finished it. I wonder <laughs> if there's anyone that that genuinely really enjoyed that. I would love to hear if some of our listeners. Yeah, liked, liked I wonder as book. well. I haven't met anyone, but maybe I am sure people did. Yeah, and then um, – this happened this show it's not really bad it's just not really good i think i think it's like you said it's very in the shadow of normal people and if it maybe had gone first we could have been like yeah it's pretty good and then normal people would have come out and everyone would have freaked out i feel bad for alice and oliver because the blueprint for success after normal people was just so much that you just couldn't help but getting in your head yeah (laughs) now I've been cast, I'm going to be Daisy Edgar Jones. Like I'm going to get all of these huge Hollywood yes. main roles and be a Chanel ambassador and go to the Met Gala and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I don't know if it will happen the same way for her because it, it was such a moment. I also read a review that said, which I think is really interesting, that Normal People was the right show at the right time. Like it came out, it was this yes. horny show at this exact moment, we were all a few weeks or maybe month into lockdown. So that idea of spontaneous like touch and being out at a party together and something crazy happening and running into an ex-boyfriend like and having crazy sex, that all just felt everyone just wanted to watch it together, whereas maybe it wouldn't have felt like the same phenomenon. Yeah, true. It did come out it was really at time. perfect time. I do. I was kind of saying that earlier when I said that I think conversations with friends, the moment has passed for this. Um, totally. One thing I'm really excited for, though, is Dolly Alderton's Everything I Know About Love t- TV adaption, the miniseries. The trailer came out. Yeah, cute. It looks so good. Belle Powley, who lives really close to you, um, is in it. And it just, yeah, it kind of like was exactly what it looks very much like girls it was exactly kind of what you'd expect in the trailer very exciting but based in london so i think that'll be really cute and with the trailer they roll down primrose hill i was like i've also done that so cute (laughs) that'll be so great i'm excited as well yeah so and june 7th that's really soon oh my god really soon 
cute fun we're going to watch that immediately and then do a two weeks away that's the day i get back to london wow timing timing that's really exciting we should watch the whole thing by the oh no we record on oh dear it'll have to be the next week (laughs) oh dear me um okay any other last minute thoughts would you bus i knew you were gonna say that i knew you were gonna say that i knew it as I said, any other last thoughts? I was like, I'm going to ask her if she'd bust Joel one. I think I would, yeah. I don't know. Mm. I'm thinking about, I think, mm, he's blonde and I've never bust anyone blonde. Yeah, he looks quite a bit like my brother. It kind of makes me feel sick when I think about it. Yeah, so I feel like probably not if I just saw him on the street, but I keep thinking about the fact that he's Taylor Swift's fiance. It makes me want to bust him more. I need to talk about that with my therapist. Yeah. Yeah, his stock went up with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like a no from me, but yeah, like in real life, you'd struggle to say no to those baby blues. Yeah, but that's just so, not my type. He's like, yeah, exactly. He's the opposite of my type. Blonde hair, blue eyes. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> Clean shaven. Oh, when she was Googling that pic of him, like, clean shaven at the vanity fair oscars after party i was like (laughs) yuck i was like this isn't making us realize he's hot never i I don't like a clean shaven man no no baby faced yuck um okay horny bye (laughs) bye Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.